Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are. Welcome back to Miami. New extends his contract with Red Bull, who are looking for a big record. Changes are afoot to make Ferrari great again. Mercedes look to emulate a Red Bull trick. And another potential new team announces a bid for 2025. Hi, I'm Louise Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, and as ever, I am joined by Sam and Abby. Sam, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I was very much enjoying the Will Smith reference in your introduction. Yeah, I considered trying to do it in like the Will Smith style, but that, that's a, <laughs> a push it. Yeah, I mean, like that, but then putting yeah. back into it, I decided to just bear <laughs> out. Uh, Abby, I'll do you want to try? Do you want to have a go now that Sam's done it? <laughs> no, I'm all right, thanks. I'll just watch you two do it. Abby, do okay. you even know the song? Yes. Yeah, okay, right. Just because, you know, it's just what, mid 90s. God, yeah. Uh, it's another thing that's older than Abby. Okay, God, it's a depressing start to the show. Should we go with some news? Yes. Well, yes. Before we get to the news, just a quick note from our sponsors. Uh, this show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gift shop online and in store. Visit www.fms.store or pick up in store. But talking of Miami, let's start there. Uh, it will most likely be another battle of the balls at the front. Sergio Perez came out on top in Baku and Jensen Button said he believes Perez would be seen as a serious championship contender if he wins this weekend. He's made his best ever start to an F1 season by winning two of the opening four races, putting him just six points behind teammate Max Verstappen in the standings. So a win would take him top. Do you guys agree with Jensen there? Do you think... This is what it takes to prove himself as a genuine contender. Is he already one? I think he's already one, if I'm honest. I know Max is in another league compared to Perez, but they are in effectively the same car. And there aren't many points between them. Perez has definitely rivaled Max. We saw that in Baku. He won the sprint and he won the Grand Prix. Last year in Miami, he did come forth and Max did win. But I do feel like 2023 is the year where Perez is showing more of his true talent and trying to go against Max. And I do think the title championship will be between those two. I think Red Bull will win the constructors, hands down. There are already so many points ahead. But I think the drivers championship will become will be between those two, if I'm honest. 
Yeah, I'd say that the championship is definitely between the two of them. But even though Perez has the bit between his teeth, he's clearly motivated and it feels different from last year, right? But I don't buy into this whole street specialist thing as much as I think some other people do. I think a lot of those wins on street circuits have been you know situational in that sense circumstantial yeah 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 exactly um probably the phrase i was looking for there but you know, <laughs> the same thing right um and so i think that it's maybe warped the perception there that he is this street god um when actually in my head he's the guy who's really really good on his tires so you know he yeah he certainly has his edge over Verstappen in certain circumstances, but he also will have to have a lot of luck go his way and for Verstappen to be off his game at points. Whereas Verstappen, his kind of run-of-the-mill average level of performance is good enough to see him through unless he does get yeah a lot of bad luck. So Perez needs a few things to go his way for this to really be a championship fight. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, he needs a, a Rosberg 2016 season, is basically what you're saying. He needs to extract the absolute maximum out of himself and yep. do his gym work and shave off those you know, half a kilo of leg muscles, whatever it was that Nico did, and then rely on Lewis, well, Lewis, rely on Max getting a lot of bad luck like Lewis did in that year. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of how it started. And that kind of ties into the other thing I was going to say about your point about him being a street king. I mean, he's definitely good in Baku. He's he's won twice there. Okay, he still needed a a bit of luck, but he, he was also on the podium there with Force India. He's great around that track. Saudi Arabia, yeah, that was absolutely circumstantial. It was Max having to start from halfway down the field so the, the, the win was but he does qualify like he does clearly go well there yeah like it's two his two poles are both in saudi arabia so but yeah sorry to, to interject there but you're backing up my overarching point so please do yeah. continue and on that point is miami a street track it's kind of a car park track oh, yeah i mean but that's yeah i don't know he didn't See, he wasn't competitive against Max last year, from what I can remember. It was very much a Max beat Leclerc to win uh, there. And we'll have to see what happens in Vegas. Again, that's a complete unknown. So you just don't know how people are going to perform uh, at a new circuit. And yeah, like you know, Singapore last year, there was you know, other factors went into Perez winning that race. Monaco same thing so yeah i think we need to slightly move past that narrative but also accept that when perez is on his game he is very very good he just needs to be more often as well as you know all the other things i mentioned i was gonna say i think the thing with perez is he needs to have that consistency because looking at his results from last year the the only times he was outside of the top 10 was when he DNF'd, but he was going up and down the top 10 with seventh, winning races on the podium, but then back to sixth, whereas Max has that level of consistency, always winning or at least second or third. So I think Perez, he might not win in Miami, but he just needs to keep those good results all the way through the season. Yeah, he he needs to be there. And he needs for Verstappen sometimes to not be there when he wins. And I guess it's the difference where... 
you know, in the past where Checo had an off weekend, he could have fallen behind. I mean, he almost certainly would have fallen behind the Ferraris and maybe the Mercedes at certain tracks, certainly in the early stages of last season. This year, he can potentially have an off weekend and still finish second. And that was the difference as well. Quite often in the Lewis-Nico battles, it was first or second, and it was just a, a constant swing back and forth with those seven points and then any DNFs. But whatever happens on track, uh, there'll be something else to talk about before the drivers get there, because Miami will see the first of F1's new pre-race driver introduction ceremonies. F1 previously experimented with a presentation like that at the US Grand Prix in 2017. However, race fans has reported a different ceremony is planned for this weekend Miami Grand Prix. Uh, I think last week the World Motorsport Council approved changes and it's going to be 50 minutes pre-race grid procedure now instead of 40 minutes. Uh, what did you think last time, if you remember back to 2017 and those uh, walk-ons? And yeah, uh, what do you think about what we might see this time? I'm going to level with you, James. I can't remember it. But <laughs> I don't, I'm not opposed to the idea. I think it is nice when F1 embraces the culture of the country in which it is racing, within reason, obviously. Um, but I think this is one of those things that is it's very American. You know, it's very NASCAR. Um, I, you know, I think they do it in IndyCar as well. In fact, yeah, they do the whole gentleman start your engine thing. So it's all kind of part of that whole, you know, tapestry of American motorsport. So absolutely, you know, buy into that, do it. The fans will love it. And it's a bit different. It's it's fun, right? If we did it at every race, then yeah, a bit much. But I'm on board for it if it's going to be Miami, Austin and Vegas. Yeah, just to, to refresh both your memories, potentially uh, 2017, I think mostly it was them walking out looking a bit awkward. I think they went out like as teammates for the most part. And then the kind of the bigger names in inverted commas uh, kind of got a, a singular a solo walkout um and it was yeah you know standard what you'd expect from the really max kind of just was like yeah you know i'm i'm here why are we doing this kind of expression on his face uh and lewis had a like a bit of a dance as he came on and danny rick was obviously you know full-on danny rick i was gonna say much like sam i didn't remember it but then i found it on youtube and rewatched it and i think they also had vessel and hamilton who were leading the championship fight at that time stand over the like with the trophy in between them and kind of face off against each other which to me kind of felt like the start of a boxing match when the two fighters then like size each other up but yeah as sam said it is very american for miami i feel like it kind of fits the whole atmosphere of miami with it being the super bowl of f1 is what they were aiming for having this pre-race show introducing all the drivers like that it suits it i like sam said i wouldn't want it at every race but with the American races, I think it's good. And it helps the fans there as well that like see the drivers, get introduced to the drivers and just bring the whole show aspect of it together. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's probably going to produce a few new new memes, I think. Uh, someone will do something. <laughs> probably. Um, but, you know, I agree with that. And I, I know it's been, uh, it was brought to our attention before. I think this was... Over the winter, when, during the new show, um, when we were talking about the the race in Vegas, that someone wrote to us and said that they felt like we were too critical of uh, anything American. And I want to very belatedly clarify that if uh, 
if the listener in question is, is still listening, that I don't, I apologize if we came across like that, because that's certainly not the case. I don't think for any of us, uh, we're fully on board with, you know, Liberty was always going to take F1 into America. And I think that, yeah, there are certain aspects that some sometimes a little bit too showy for my personal tastes, but I have certainly no issue with, you know, the, with the direction that F1 has gone in, in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at the United States as a whole, it is essentially 50 countries. It is a federation of states, literally. Um, so they will have their own very unique cultures as well. So if we were to, say, have a Grand Prix in New Orleans, in Louisiana, you'd hope that we kind of, as a sport, would really get behind something like Mardi Gras and, you know, how, you know, invest into that culture. What yeah, are you beads. <laughs> what do you mean? What? But you, you, I think you know what I'm saying is in that we have so many races in Europe and Europe is, well, I think population-wise, not completely dissimilar to the United States um, or at least North America because obviously we've got the Canadian Grand Prix, we've got the Mexican Grand Prix. So we've, we've got five Grand Prix across those three countries and a huge landmass and a lot of people. I don't think how I don't think we can really be too critical of that in Europe, where we have lots of Grand Prix across different countries, all with their unique culture. And that is the the status quo. And I think that's fine. I think it's absolutely acceptable for Liberty Media to want to extend to a new market which is growing and is clearly very much um falling in love with F1. Yeah. Uh Glad you agree with me. Uh, but, right, we'll move on because we're already a fair way through the show. So just one topic. We spoke about Red Bull earlier on. There's some other news coming out of the Red Bull camp. Isn't that right, Sam? Yes. So the news from Red Bull is that they've announced that Adrian Newey, the legendary designer, formerly of the likes of Leighton House, Williams, McLaren, and obviously Red Bull, um, has signed a contract extension. So will be with the team for well the foreseeable future they haven't actually announced a number of years but you can already kind of hear and feel the almost visceral groaning of the rest of the f1 paddock um because let's face it the man knows how to design a a very very good f1 car um as we've seen over the last what 30 years or so so yeah he's staying um which is a real coup for a ball um and on that Christian Horner said, Adrian has been such a fundamental part since almost the beginning. He covers a lot of areas and to have the depth of his experience and knowledge to draw upon and the way he works with the young guys, it's great. He's just as motivated as he's always been. Obviously, he has a great insight into what's going on in powertrains and Red Bull Advanced Technology as well. So he covers the three pillars of the campus in Milton Keynes. Guys, I feel like there's not a huge amount to really discuss here other than just kind of praise potentially the all-time great designer in f1 right yeah um I, i'm assuming he didn't as he didn't design the red bull base that apparently has three pillars because that sounds very unstable that would be a really great joke <laughs> i wanted to do a budumcha, <laughs> but i, I realized i don't <laughs> yeah i mean you are the you, you are a drummer so exactly um, my drums are in a different country oh a different country. I was going to say room, <laughs> but no, actually a different country. Um, yeah, I mean, 
he is, yeah, I, I think he probably is the all-time great designer in F1. Any other names that you'd throw in there? No, I think he is. And I've read his book, How to Build a Car, and it is such a fascinating and interesting read and a good insight into his mind. He is so clever. And like you said, Sam, for the nine other teams on the grid, I'm sure they're not very happy about Nui staying with Red Bull because it just means that Red Bull are going to continue to dominate and do so well in F1 as they have been because Nui is excellent at designing a championship winning car. Yeah. I mean, jokes aside, he he is absolutely... I think John Barnard would maybe be one that you could put forward as well in like revolutionizing and obviously Colin Chapman, but yeah, Yeah, of the modern era, certainly he is kind of unmatched. Um, And yeah, the the guy is a genius. Yeah. He's done it through so long, through so different, so many different eras and generations of Formula One that yeah, his ability to adapt is incredibly impressive. But on the topic of Red Bull dominance, this season, and potentially seasons to come with Adrian Newey staying in the mix, they are on to break a new record in the sport. They could potentially win over a thousand points this season. So we're obviously four races in. They have 180 points so far. Last season, four races in, they're on 113 points. And they'd had a pretty difficult start to the year. So that, even then, still impressive. They ended up with. 759 but of the kind of you know 108 they've already got there's still 911 up for grabs i feel like this is a almost impossible ask that yes they are still technically on for it but i don't know do you guys think that they could breach the thousand point mark by the end of the year i think they'll get close obviously there's an extra race on the calendar this year compared to last year and three extra sprints, 88 more points up for grabs. I I don't see them breaching the 1,000 points, but I do see them getting very, very close into the 800, 900, definitely more than last year because they just seem to have won the consistency of getting one-twos and being on the podium and just winning the races because they're in another league. So... I think, I think it, I don't think it could happen, but very close. Yeah, I I don't think they'll quite manage it. They'd have to keep up this level of dominance, which has been three one twos out of four. And then, you know, it would, could well have been another one, but for Checo's issues in, in Melbourne. But yeah, I mean, I imagine they'll break the record. What is the record? Do we know for most constructors' points in a season? I just had a very quick look. I, I can't claim to know this off the top of my head. They didn't quite match last year. They got 759, which didn't quite match Mercedes' total from 2016, which was 765, which was surely their most dominant season. But yeah, I mean, obviously, they've they've now got more races. They've got more sprints as well to, to increase that tally. I imagine we might get to a point in the future, as you say, with Adrian Newey confirmed for, yeah, a few more seasons to come that they could get closer and closer uh, if they keep increasing the number of races and sprints. I don't think they'll hit the thousand this year, but I would expect them to break the record for, yeah, the most points in one season. We'll be back in a moment with plenty more news, uh, but just another word on our sponsors, 
Uh, again, this show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gift shop online and in store. Official Formula One team wear artwork models, gifts, and new slot cars are available online at www.fms.store, or you can pick those up in store as well. Check out their new larger retail store in Brackley, Northamptonshire, just down the road from the Mercedes garage, and experience their in-store F1 simulator and new large-scale scale electrics Silverstone track and set fastest laps on both to win monthly prizes. FMS, more than just an F1 store. Collect it, play it, wear it. Well... Speaking on Red Bull and also Ferrari, the Scuderia are looking to recruit a key member of the Red Bull team, Enrico Balbo, the head of aerodynamics, who has been at Red Bull since July 2021 and is the third most crucial engineer at the team. He has also been with Mercedes and Williams previously. And Vasseur has said that as part of Ferrari's aim of hiring 30 new team members by June, they are trying to get Enrico Balbo as part of Ferrari as well. And this is all to get Ferrari back to being the great team that has been part of F1's history for decades, because as Leclerc has said, Red Bull are in another league and Ferrari need to try and close that gap because in race pace, Red Bull just have so much more. And with that in mind, Vasseur has also confirmed that Ferrari are going to start bringing their upgrade packages starting from Miami coming this weekend to see whether they can try and close that gap and see what the strengths of Red Bull are and how Ferrari can do that. And hopefully, if they manage to secure Enrico Balbo as part of their team, he can help them as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is going to be a running theme this season, right? I think every week we're going to be talking about, oh yeah, Ferrari have said that there's going to be changes made and there's stuff in the pipeline and that they're going to close the gap and, and it's just not really going to come to fruition. I think Miami would, is going to be a difficult one for them to to prove that they've taken a step because it's less dependent on uh, the technical side of the car and let's face it, the Rebel powertrains are far superior at this stage. So I think, yeah, it's um, going to be a difficult weekend for them. I think it's uh, going to be pretty plain sailing for, for Red Bull. But yeah, I... I don't mind this year being a development year for them, uh, an off year. They clearly had the car they needed last year, but they just didn't have the other pieces in place to compete over a season with Red Bull that have obviously done it time and time again. And it kind of feels like haven't really changed much in the last kind of 15 years or so. They've, they got to the summit and even when the car wasn't there, they managed to keep together the the core that they needed to then be ready when the car was ready. And I can't say the same for Ferrari. So they need that time and I'm happy to give them that time to be fair. Yeah. We'll have to see what the, uh, the updates they bring to Miami can do. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, they've obviously shown some promise in Baku. They weren't able to stay with Red Bull in the race, but, you know, Charles doing the Charles thing and, and pulling it out in qualifying. Hopefully, it'll be great if we can get a bit of a battle at the front because it doesn't look like Mercedes are anywhere near and I don't think Aston are there quite yet. So at least at some races this year, if, if Ferrari can use these changes they're making to their advantage, then that would be great for everyone. But speaking of making Ferrari great again. Uh, Yeah, Mercedes are also trying to become great again. And that is through copying Red Bull, right, Abby? Yes. Well, obviously, Red Bull, 
as we all know, are very dominant this year. And Toto Wolff has commented on Red Bull's performance, saying that you can see on the onboards that their car is barely moving a bit on the straights, over the bumps, the corner through balance looks easy. But if you look at all the other cars on the onboards, those cars look very tricky. So with these ground effect cars, Toto Wolff believes that they're all quite rubbish. I won't use the word that he used on the podcast. And he said that it is the one that is the least rubbish that ends up being ahead. So with that, Mercedes are bringing upgrades, not in Miami, they're bringing them in Imola, and they include a modified side pod package, a modified front suspension, and a new floor. Now, earlier in the season, Mercedes were saying that they were going to scrap the current concept for the W14, and Toto Wolff did admit that if there wasn't a cost cap, the team would then build a whole new chassis. However, there is a cost cap, so they can't do that, which means that the cockpit issue that Hamilton has won't be resolved. And these upgrades that they're bringing in Imola are just going to be one step in the development and a good baseline for them to then build on throughout the season. Now, the team haven't actually been getting that bad results so far. I mean, Hamilton got a podium and they've been finishing within the top 10 in almost every race. With that, do you guys think that these upgrades will help them not necessarily bridge the gap to Red Bull, but at least bridge the gap to Aston Martin? I think yes. Um, But at risk of sounding um, apathetic, I'm not sure how much I really kind of care because it's just so meh, right? Like even even fighting Aston Martin is so mad. And I get the <laughs> how verbose of you sound on a on a podcast. It's just so mad. It's it's not wrong though. Uh, but you know, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh yeah, okay, great, good, cool, brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like the the no pods are no more. Um, and yeah clearly that that philosophy hasn't worked um and i think they need to take the steps this year that they need to take but also let's face it like ferrari it's a bit of a write-off this year um it's damage limitation through and through um before they can build a new chassis and lewis hamilton can stop sitting like a grandmother in the uh <laughs> in the, the, the mercedes because i'm pretty sure that he's, he's like basically far too far forward right is that yeah 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 that's it yeah i'm glad i got that i got i'm glad i got it the right way around i mean my grandmother she's so cool she's she'd be the opposite she'd be like you know probably laid back yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) another brilliant moment for a podcast is you demonstrated what it's like to (laughs) lie back in a car there yeah yeah but yeah no i think that is why it's so to to use your description it's because I think the whole point was we were like, oh, if Mercedes can get that zero pod idea working, then it's going to be, you know, it, it might be great at the front. We might be back in 2021, but with, you know, George thrown into the mix as well. And I think that's why it is, yeah, just so anticlimactic that it just, yeah, it's not going to happen. I think to answer your question, I'd be, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they don't get, I mean, they're already in in the mix with the Astons. Uh, you know, they were certainly they were arguably ahead in Australia. I mean, they ended ahead. So we've seen how much Aston jumped forwards by changing their philosophy and then nailing it. I guess that's what Mercedes have to try and do now. It just might take a bit longer than they were originally hoping. There won't be that eureka moment. Yeah, I mean, I'd, apologies if I sounded dismissive before. Um, I think it's a good thing that's for right, the sport. Man. 
if they if they take those steps forward. But this season is what it will be, and I'm actually kind of relishing the prospects of a a Sergio Perez unlikely title fight. You know. Yeah, if, if that comes to fruition, I'm I'm all for it. That will rescue this season. I think that's it. We we've all just got so used to Max winning that we kind of wrote it off from as soon as it was clear that Red Bull were a step above. But yeah, if they can at least keep it going for a fair amount of the season, that would be great. It certainly would be. But moving on from existing teams to a potential new entry uh, within the sport, it has been announced that the some of the key players from behind the proposed Panthera bid um, for 2026 have come together in a new guise um, and are going to be submitting an application to the FIA to join the F1 grid for 2026 by the end of May. They are called Lucky Sons, um, spelt in capitals on the press release, L-K-Y space S-U-N-Z. Um, so let's face it, they'll be the proverbial cool kids of the grid. Um, and a little bit about that. Um, they are funded by the Legends Advocates Sports Group. That's where the money's coming from. Um, and... They're based in. They'll be based in Southeast Asia, much like the Panthera bid um, would have been. Um, at least in the meantime, the F1 cars will be built and assembled at a European base, but they want to be fully operational outside Europe. Um, and also, there will be a focus on youth culture and racing, and they will forge pathways for underrepresented communities, whilst remaining committed to entertaining fans off track as well as on. Lastly, and this is my favourite part of the press release, they uh, are self-proclaimed disruptors. So I'm not sure what to make of the last bit. The rest of it sounds pretty good, right? Aside from traditionalists who might say that you can't have a successful F1 team not based in Europe. But guys, what do you think? Do you think this is actually there's material behind this or is it just a kind of a marketing exercise or will it not come to anything ultimately yeah i'm not sure about anyone who's a self-proclaimed disruptor personally but we'll go with the benefit of the doubt for now it doesn't mean they can't build a good f1 team and yeah it's it's, it's promising that there are some members of the the former potential panthera outfit there as well to give it a bit more weight yeah it's, it's all very new for now uh very early in the narrative of this team appearing but i mean power to them if they can actually manage to get the teams on their side because that's going to be the biggest obstacle as we've seen with andretti yeah it's good that they're going for it if this is true in that and it's exciting to see all these new teams want to join f1 but as james said it would be it's a battle going against the 10 constructors that are already on the grid as you guys said with the disruptors to me, that's weird that they have self-proclaimed themselves as disruptors. It makes me a bit uneasy of what they could potentially do. But they want to help the youth culture of the sport and bring diversity through it, going outside of the traditional like European bases. So we'll I just have to wait and see if more news surfaces and whether they actually do get into the sport themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And a risk of sounding dismissive again, when I first saw the press release, I wasn't sure if it was legitimate. Hence my comment before about, is it a marketing exercise? It, And I think it's the name that does it for me. 
I just mm. can't imagine. Oh, you know, and the Lucky Sons line up P15 and 16. Like, it just, I don't know. The name bothers me. Also, the spelling of it is, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit silly. But... I th- I don't want that to that just from I don't want for that to distract from some of the really really positive things in this press release and this potential new entry, which is more diversity, underrepresented communities. How can you argue against that? Because F one is a sport that is crying out for that. It's crying out for change, and we need more of this. So I hope it comes to something. I hope maybe the name changes along the way. But yeah, it it could be promising and it sounds like they've got some real weight and and financing behind them. Yeah, Um, as long as they're not uh, sponsored by Rich Energy, I'm all for it. Uh, And we will have to wait and see what happens. Maybe we'll have some more news about them next week, Uh, but we'll have to leave it there for now for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. And of course, if you have anything that you want to let us know about or tell us, then it's info at FormulaNerds.com for that. And go and check out our Azerbaijan race review if you haven't already. It was a lot of fun, particularly the National Anthem review. Uh, We'll be back for more this weekend. It could be another good anthem review. The the Americans rarely deliver their anthems with uh, any subtlety. So I think there could be some interesting stuff to, to talk about there and hopefully some good racing too. Until then, Sam, Abby, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much for having us. And I'm now looking forward to a typically understated uh, national anthem on the weekend because it's obviously going to be like that now that you've picked it up and hyped it yeah um so yeah looking forward to that thanks for having us and yes i very much look forward to dissecting the national anthem next week on monday me too uh but yes until then it is lights out mics off and away we go bye bye listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.